1: Hello, and welcome to episode two hundred and one of the Stacey West Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary, and today I am joined in the flesh by Chris. How are we doing? Very well. Good evening. Are we sure it's episode 201? Uh, You see, Chris is now taking my role and I'm taking Ben's role. So we've just done a little aborted start where I went, started recording and then went, oh, I don't know what episode it is. But of course, it's episode 201 because we just done episode 200.
0: Live podcast last week at the Legends Lounge.
1: Yeah. In, fantastic evening. Yeah, it was. But before we start, we're actually in a Legends Lounge of our own at the moment, so if the sound feels a little bit different, so we're actually in uh, my bar. The staying in, I haven't recorded one in here since I did it with Bob's. I don't think so. Wow. Yeah, there okay, we go. There you go. So we're in the bar. We were in the bar last Thursday. Um, Mark Kennedy, Danny Butty, Butty Danny Butterfield, uh, Paudie O'Connor, Paudie, not Paudie, Paudie. If you say it powdy, it's wrong. It's Pawdy, as in Paul D. Paudie um Liam Scully John Schofield Phil Hubbard you weren't heard them and it was a good night um Mark was open honest um quite candid uh, I thought he was very different to the Mark Kennedy that presented himself for the first live podcast I thought he felt much more in control um I think early early doors he was saying things like that's not my remit or I don't know about that department but in this it was every everything he had a grasp on from from youth development through to um injuries and that sort of thing didn't he
0: yeah, it, it very much seemed like his answers were regarding it, it's his team now. You know, he was he was very much at the start, getting to know the ropes. I suppose one of the selling points of this club and one of the benefits is we, we said this when he was appointed. is that he's just one cog in a mach- in you know in a machine. Um, you know, haven't got to change everything when you when you hire a new head coach because you've got those other those other parts like Jazz. You've got the recruitment team. You've got the you know the sports science guys, etc. Uh, and it did feel in the first one, understandably that there were some things that he was maybe unable to expand upon wasn't 100% sure upon where I was on Thursday night he, he had an answer for everything I was really impressed um, I was really impressed with how he came across as well he's really personable he's really knowledgeable um, and as a fan you just want to see that, that, that he cares don't you and I, I I felt like he did or does should I say
1: did yeah, does yeah not did <laughs> yeah, not did yeah, uh, yeah, hope he, still does. He, he was worried it might be did after both Cambridge games um, but yeah certainly uh, certainly does um and also of course it was a great night in terms of money raising so 669 pounds taken on the door that was through the raffle uh, and through voluntary donations so really kind and then Jules Lincoln City banter um have doubled that to 1338 pounds for those who are good at maths not that we did that off air um, for the, so that's that's really positive as well yeah it's just
0: um a bonus isn't it you know it was a really good evening Raise money for a fantastic cause. We we'll, we'll celebration of, uh, you know, well, well, you and Ben, more well, than anything, the podcast that you've, that you've built over that time, 200 episodes, is a huge achievement. And it was brilliant that the club wanted to kind of put an event on to celebrate that. And, and it was great that we were able to kind of give something back and raise so much money for, for the foundation as well.
1: No, I was quite surprised, actually, because I forgot that we were celebrating 200. So I kind of thought we've got this live podcast, we've got you know, all these great guests, we've got people coming to watch it, we're raising all this money for good stuff, and then Ben sort of said at the beginning, it's the 200th, and I'm like, oh yeah, we, we're here for us as well as everything else, and it, yeah. I, you know it's never really been about that, yeah. um, but it was good. It was nice for the kind of, I mean, I say two guys, is obviously yourself and, and Jake as well, but it was nice for that kind of, what started off as like two guys chatting in a pub to actually end up as two guys chatting in a bar just with... 200 people there so there will be more we are already planning the next one so we will be back live in the legends lounge at some point whether that's um, with the existing squad members and, and, and head coach whether it's a kind of a former player special not really sure um, those that didn't get to go wouldn't have got to have heard Phil Hubbard and John Schofield I think some people thought that that was probably the highlight of the night in terms of kind of laughter
0: yeah Phil Hubbard's hilarious. Um, Phil Hubbardwood and Mark Home were my managers I, th- I think under 14s and under 15s and I was in the academy and it was it was like going back 25 years. it was brilliant That's, you know he, he was he was he was he was full of jokes then and, and it he hasn't changed at all it was just really good really good last what half an hour or so I think wasn't it yeah um, it, was. it was just yeah real nice kind of end to the evening.
1: I, I was trained by a Lincoln City player as well um, yeah, at, at under and you could call it under 14s it was probably year nine or 10 uh, at school. I think it's, it's there or thereabouts, isn't it? Warren Ward. Oh,
0: Warren.
1: Did he not come, because we went to the same school, did he not train you? I don't know. He, do, he does Boston Grammar now, and I think he's actually now training my nephew. So he's gone from one really bad footballer to hopefully my nephew is going to be a little bit better. That's but. great. Maybe I did, I can't remember. I, I want to go my so. football career anyway. I, I think you should have a friendly uh, and bring me on for 10 minutes for rugby. I'm sure it can be arranged. 44-year-old man. I'm sure and, this can be arranged. I'm sure we can do it for charity or there to be a yeah, reason to do it in the exactly. summer or something. I might sponsor, sort of sponsor some training jackets with a Stacey West podcast or something. Deal, but, told, yeah, done. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, well, Don't whoa, take whoa, a well. <laughs> 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 I did sponsor a team, actually. Gavin Andrews, and, uh, he was... I can't remember, Saxelby something, I think, weren't they? Um, and they renamed as Stacey West FC and played one year at the Sunday League level. And so there is somewhere a Stacey West FC kit hanging about, We'll have a word with Gav and see if we can get it back for you to play as an away kit if you ever need it. That's the, not a good idea. Kit we, don't, we don't actually have an away kit. We don't oh. often have
0: a kit clash but when we do, the, the one time that we did, which you came to uh, take photographs of, last season I think yes, it was, it was uh... we had to put bloody bibs on. It was yeah. horrible. We was the home team. The ref was adamant that there wasn't a kit clash at all. Which was two teams playing in white. Yeah, yeah, didn't help. It was the first time we'd worn our brand new kit as well and we had to cover it up with manky yellow bibs.
1: Have you ever had Andy Pearson as your referee?
0: Not since I've known who Andy Pearson is, maybe in the past, but since I've, I've known who he is, we've never had him on a Sunday morning. Like right,
1: that. I've been looking forward to that. And of course, before we start talking about um, Lincoln City, your cup final draw is out, and you're going to be pitted against a couple of, well, at least one Lincoln City fan in Mr. Stadlard. Yeah, well, I, if the
0: website is is uh, is to be believed, we're playing away at Broadley FC. Um, I was told at training last night, though, that... that, that maybe that's just how the tree looks on the website but it hasn't actually been drawn yet so i don't really know i, I think we're playing broadly away in our semi final uh, if so that'd be good be a good game good occasion um, so that we're kind of up mid table in in our division broadly at top of the league below um, so it'll be a tight game i think and yeah I've, as we've mentioned before i've never won anything
1: <laughs> so the hearts of podcast hmm. listeners particularly richard godson who said that you were the one member of the Stay West podcast team who knows what he's talking about. Oh,
0: I was over the moon that. So I was I was um, kind of taking the money <laughs> and, uh, and and doing the raffle tickets with, with Fee on, on Thursday evening. And uh, yeah, and someone comes up to me, oh, are you, are you Chris? It's the first time anyone's ever recognised me. Uh, and I said, yes, I am. He goes, oh, you're the one that knows what he's on about. I was like, well, you're, you're my favourite immediately.
1: You can stay forever. That was great. Yeah, anyway... So we are advertising for a new member of Stacey West podcast staff. We now might have to advertise for two. Um, (laughs) But of course, you were also mistaken for Chris Ray. Yes, twice. Twice. By the same person. By Nick Oxbury. (laughs) Yeah, so never mind Nick. Right, so we're talking about rugby being up a mid-table in in the Sunday League, in Sunday League Division 2. Correct. Lincoln City are up a mid-table in the Saturday League, League 1. And smooth, yeah. and we've achieved that by you know, a series of good results. We discussed, it, or you, we didn't discuss the Accrington game because we didn't put a proper podcast out last week. The last podcast that went out that was bog standard was after the Cambridge game, and you know it's fair to say I think things were pretty downbeat. Um, the Bristol game we went into it I think much more upbeat, given the transfers that we've made, given the way um, God, uh, the Scottish lad we signed, God um, <laughs> settled into the middle of the park. Bristol Rovers was a was a test. I think it was probably more of a test than Accrington. They're a team that have shown that they're capable of winning games. They're a team full of houses. They were expected to start well. I think it was you that told me a stat that they scored more goals in the first 15 minutes of games than any other team in the division.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I stole that stat off the Not The Top 20 podcast, so I can't yeah. take all the credit for it. But I heard it and passed it on. Yeah, so it was a game that you'd expect us maybe to, to not be able to start quickly it was more our case to stay in the game can we can we kind of ease ourselves in and be, be aware of the quite considerable threat that they've they've shown early doors and we started brilliantly um, they hardly had a, a real a real kick in the first first few minutes and you know, we were I would say we were massively on the ascendancy for the first sort of 10 15 minutes of the game um, and it was a it was it was, it was basically just we, we placed, pressed pause at full-time against Accrington, and we pressed play again um, for kickoff against Bristol Rovers. Um, and it was a, just a pleasure to watch that first
1: half, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> for a minute there, I was, I was just kind of thinking back to it and thinking of how unusual it was this season, for us not just to start well, but for, for no fear of, well, I don't want to say a collapse, but like the Fleetwood game where we, we were dominant and we started really well and then we just kind of shrunk back and shrunk back. And there was never any, any, any fear of that. And I think also coming off the back of MK Dons and Cambridge, which now are two games in a five-match unbeaten run where we've conceded one goal. So all of a sudden, they're, they're a positive narrative, something that Mark touched upon, that it's yeah. the results before the run that kind of, you know, before the big wins that make the run and vice versa. And you know, it makes me think back to John Beck, he went 16 or 17 games unbeaten at City, but it was lots of draws in there. But you, know, you look back and go, well, "We went on a 17 match unbeaten run. We're on a five match unbeaten run, and we never looked in any danger. And we started really well. I think, you know, I'd I'd commented uh, two weeks ago when we played Accrington that Ted Bishop probably not a player you want to see in a two man midfield. I thought he was excellent on Saturday. He was pulling the strings. He was getting in little pockets. Um, I really like Shadipo I think there's a lot more to come from him he's not the type of player that I imagined but I think he had a, a rasping effort that went just wide I mm-hmm. can't remember whether it was before or after our goal um, Ben House is you know, utterly superb he was causing all sorts of problems and I don't think Bristol really knew what would hit them
0: No we, we were by far the better team um, it was just, it was just like I said it was a pleasure to watch you're right about Shadipo I think that you, know, you kind of buy a winger I'll say, oh, it's not by, you, you sign a winger on loan from a championship club who's been successful in this league before, you think, oh, he's a winger, he's going to get, you know, he's going to drop a shoulder, he's going to take two or three players on, he's going to be a, you know, maybe someone similar to like a Jack Diamond, that sort of style. And he's, he reminds me a little bit, obviously not of the same quality, but a bit like Raheem Sterling. So Raheem Sterling had that kind of stereotype. And then when you you watch him and, and then you see how he's utilised, specifically when he was at Man City, he was, he, you never really see, saw him beat a man um, not often, but he was he was the the guy breaking the lines. He was the guy getting on the end of things. Um, and Shadipo seems to be maybe a similar sort of pra- uh, player um, at, at our level. So that's quite nice because it was a nice kind of dynamic. If you think about the three realistically, our, our three first choice players that are going to play in that two behind Ben House, you've got Jack Diamond, who's going to be the real kind of live wire, will, will dribble with the ball regularly. Shadipo probably going to be more about trying to break lines, and then you've got you've got Danny Mandroyu who can slot in and probably is, is a lot more kind of plays, plays in that hole a bit more deep
1: deeply. Um, I think we've got a nice balance there as well. Charles Vernon, we've missed out, who obviously I likened to Derek Asamoah in that he has a certain attribute that is undeniable pace, directness, but he's also lacking at the moment in certain key areas, which is things like decision-making. And we'll come on to Vernon under the Derby game because I want to discuss a choice of substitute with you, but we'll mm-hmm. we'll move on. So we started really well. We got the goal that we deserved. Um, it yeah, there was calls for a foul, I think, was there in the build up or um, something. I I can't remember. The ball had come in and they thought one of their boys had been pushed over. But oh well. Um, oh, yeah, do you know what? <laughs> it's nice to see as a threat from set pieces. It really um, is. Yeah. Was, and it that's a so... was it a corner?
0: Yeah, I think it was second ball for corner. Second wasn't it? ball. Yeah. It was. Um, there's uh, something else that Mark Kennedy actually mentioned in, in the live pod is that he felt that like we'd, we'd been really, really good defensively off set-pieces, which is absolutely right. And he felt like we'd actually deserved to have scored more goals from set-pieces ourselves. And I probably would agree with him. And it was nice to see one come off, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Um, it's no less than we deserved. No, I, I, I tend to agree. You're you, you stopping very suddenly. I'm sorry, sorry. I'll tell you what I'm doing. It's weird that we're kind of sat in the same room to do this. So I'm saying something and I'm trying to look at what I've written
0: down, which I'll be honest, is not as much as normal. So I don't know why I'm looking at it. We're not making
1: eye contact. It's kind no. of like, well, this is weird. I'm going to look over at the scarves over there. I don't, I don't want to do this, this. I'm just going to stare, stare at you next time when I talk. Um, so yeah, and and obviously I, I thought after the goal probably things settled down a little bit. Yeah, I don't think that we pressed on to go right. Let's let's go for two or three. We didn't sink back and try and defend the one goal lead. We didn't need to. Um, and but obviously then the red card did change the game. Uh, now my first impression of the red card was we are grasping here, because I mean I don't get me wrong. I'd spotted Ryan Loft looks like a proper arsehole, like a Matt Reed style arsehole. Because whenever the ball was coming over, he was watching it, watching it, and then he had a quick look at his player, and when he went for the header, the head looked like he was going, not for the ball, but trying to make contact with the player. He'd had a little elbow a couple of times come out. Not athelion elbow, which is a wrestling move, subtle elbow. Um, And then, do you know, looking back, it's stupid, but he's obviously led with his elbow. And Joey Barton's argument is, well, he's caught him in the armpit. But that doesn't matter, doesn't it? If you shoot somebody in the arse or you shoot somebody through the head, you've still shot somebody, irrespective of the damage. So, my first thought was it's not going to be a red card. I think I think we got him sent off. If I'm honest, I think pa- Pauly O'Connor. I think
0: Paddy O'Connor was excellent in yeah. that. So I, I said to, to Joe, who I was sat next to, because we both saw it, it, was like, well, that's that's a yellow card. What's well, a bit silly? Like, it's, it's it was too blatant. Like the amount know, I've played in goal, you know, those sort of those sort of kind of situations, a strike will go in, just leave a little bit on you. It's, it's nothing really, but it's just to let you know, let you know that he's there. It's just a little you know, bit of mind games. It was just too blatant with it, far too blatant with it. And I was like, well, that's that's quite clearly a yellow card. And it seemed like the referee wasn't going to give anything. And then pa- Pauly O'Connor then went and remonstrated with the lino. And I said, well, one of two things is going to happen here. Either Pauly's going to get himself booked or he's going to get, he's going to get Loft sent off. And obviously O'Connor was having a go at the lino. Then all the fans who let's be honest, none of us really felt it was a red card. There wasn't like there wasn't really loud cries from the crowd no. until O'Connor was then demonstrating with the Lino. Um, then obviously the referee seemed to kind of maybe cave into a little bit of of, of that pressure. Um, and at the time you thought that was to our you know, to our favour, you thought that oh it's gonna be brilliant, we're gonna go on and it's win this form. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, in actual fact it actually probably made the game more difficult for us, I'd say. Um Because Bristol Rovers then in the second half came out, um, was very much the game plan was stay in the game as long as you can, try and nick something at the end. Fair deal, that's exactly what you do in that situation. And they did, but that meant they had 10 men behind the ball. We couldn't press, we couldn't do the things that we are good at. Um, Not at any point that I really seriously feel that we're going to concede. They had a couple of half chances towards the end, but in that first probably 40 minutes of the second half, I thought we were completely in control. Um, unlucky not to get a second goal, even though we weren't quite as free flowing as we were in the first half. Um, ultimately, it was it was a deserved three
1: points on the on the whole game, but the red card probably spoiled it as a spectacle a little bit. Should it have been ten versus ten? I mean, there's, there was a moment where there's a there's a bit of a scuffle on the goal line. One of their boys is. I mean, he's involved with Lewis. It's not. I keep referencing Aphelion, but it's, it's not no one um, as blatant. No, like, no. But there is a there is a thrown out. The replay isn't as conclusive, I think, as the Aphelion one. But Lewis throws out his arm. For me, he catches him. It looks maybe like back of hand mm-hmm. rather than elbow. Um, I was fully expecting to see something retrospective this week. It hasn't happened as of recording now, which is six o'clock on Tuesday, um, on Thursday even, but. You know, another referee sends him off.
0: Yeah, I think we've got away with one, with one there. We can't, we can't kind of say that the the Ryan Loft one was a red card, and then kind of turn a blind eye to yeah. to Lewis. We'd be hypocrites. Yeah, which we are. Yeah, let's well, be honest. I'm, I'm a known hypocrite. Um, but the, but, 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 but in, in all seriousness, though, yeah, like it's easy to miss that in 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 the action. Like it's easy for a referee to miss that in. In a goal mouth scramble, like it was, um, and like you said, we keep referencing Aphelion for for Bolton, uh, and it was nowhere near as blatant as that. But it's the same point you made about about Ryan Loft's elbow. You know, whether he's elbowed him in the head or elbowed him in the armpit, he still he still elbowed him. Whereas with, with Monster, you know, whether he's caught him with an elbow, or caught him with a hand, he has still flung his arm back uh, in a very unnatural position. So. I think we've probably just about got away with one there.
1: We do see that quite a bit, though. I think we saw it with defenders, especially with Tom Hopper. Um, Tom got caught in the face two or three times by a defender in the same situation and wasn't sent off. So I do wonder if there is a... um, uh, if there's a doubt at times that, you know, if it's a hand, a flailing hand, is it seen as pushing and shoving? The ref wasn't really watching it. The ball's come back out. He's, he's kind of, he's got to watch play. The line is probably not watching it as well. So, um, and Carl Rushworth, man of the match for you or not? Well, it was interesting, obviously,
0: goalkeepers union yeah. uh, on the on the commentary and and, and here right now. So uh, I thought he's, I think he's been excellent over the last few weeks, to be honest. He's, he's really settled and turned into a real top top league one keeper. And um, by me saying that I don't think he was man of the match against Bristol, doesn't mean to say that I don't think he played well. I think he, was, I think he was outstanding, but I think there were other players who 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 shone on Saturday as well as him
1: well from memory the XG was something like 1.3 1.45 for Lincoln 1.85 Okay, and 1 for Bristol yeah exactly 1 so can a goalkeeper be your man of the match if the chances that the opposition have created are only very marginally I mean he pulled off the odd save he commanded his box very well he sprung attacks where he needed to he held time when he needed to for me, I think it was I think it was goalkeepers union. I, I mean, I, I'm going to go on and on about um, Ethan Aram. Yeah.
0: I will just touch on on, on Rushworth because it, this is something that does frustrate me as a, as a, as a member of the goalkeepers union myself. Is that it's not just about saving shots. Um, goalkeeper's done his job well if he hasn't had a shot to save all game. Um, he pulled off a brilliant save off that free kick. That was a that was a, that was a fantastic save, yes. save. He he didn't drop a cross every cross that he, he was able to get. He held on to. He, he hardly ever parries anything. He catches everything. His throw on the quick counter attack is such a threat. His distribution with his feet was good. He was just really consistent. And goalkeepers don't often get the credit they deserve for being consistent. You, you notice a keeper for making a mistake. And, and basically, the goalkeeper that makes the fewest mistakes is probably the best goalkeeper in the league. And he hasn't really, I can't think about a mistake he's made no, this year.
1: I can't. Not this I, year. i obey that point. Josh Griffiths made two or three Alex Palmer went through a spell where he made two or three
0: yeah yeah so so was he man of the match probably on maybe. that's not probably, negative probably not yeah but it's an outstanding performance and he's been outstanding for a number of weeks now but yeah we can't get away from someone who I, I was so excited when I knew it was linked with him it uh, seemed to live up to the promise in the Accrington game but you never know it's a debut you think it's an away game you know they're just watching it and, and you, you don't you never know it some players can have a, an incredibly good debut. You know, they think, oh my god, it's like the best player in the world, and then they they find their levels. But that's three games in a row now. Obviously, we'll get onto it, the Derby game. But it was the first time we'd seen him at home. I think he's just an outstanding footballer, isn't he? He's exactly Aaron. Ethan Aaron, yeah. yeah, he's exactly what we need. He yeah. just plugs the gaps, and and completes the the, the balance of the squad. And having someone like that, you mentioned Ted, you know, thinking, well, oh, I'm not sure about him in a two, because he's, he's normally played in one of those more advanced roles when he has played for us. But it just adds such balance to our midfield. It allows Ted to then do what he's good at with, with the protection and um, composure, I think. He, he puts a tackle in and he's strong on the ball, but he's also really composed, just looks after the ball well. He makes good decisions. I was just I've been so impressed with him. Um, since he's signed, um, so for me, uh, Erehom was was probably my man of the match on Saturday.
1: I think he's a footballer's footballer, and yeah. you talk about being outstanding. We'll, we'll move on. He was outstanding at, at Derby as well, um, and, and you and I, we we went to go at Derby together. Um, it's fair to say we probably we weren't despondent on the way there, but we weren't expectant. So we weren't going there thinking, well, we're definitely going to lose this, but we weren't going there thinking we have to get anything from it. It was it was almost like going across with no pressure because I hate the saying a free hit and I use it all the time Mm -hmm. but it was we got six points from six you go to Derby they've been on a great run they've won however many on the bounce obviously then lost to Wickham. and you think well if we lose this game we lose this game sorry if you hear the car going past there Um, and from the off I don't think we ever looked like losing it and later on we'll come on to kind of what happened but I expected Derby to come out. They've got great players. I mean, Mendes Lang uh, is, has got seven assists. I think this season is in the top four or five. He's got the most successful dribbles. You've got David McGoldrick, who, who scores goals for fun. You've got James Collins, who should be doing better than he is. You've got Conor Hurahan who, you know, if Republic of Ireland had gone to the World Cup, the likelihood he is he would have been there as well. He's a major international player. You know, they're such a good side on paper. And, we matched them. We matched them more than matched them in the early exchanges. We are the better team in the first half. Yeah.
0: Um, so I've got the first half stats here. They didn't have a shot on target. Oh. Three shots, not on target. We had five and three on target. We had next year one, they had next year 0.4 or something. But I think the key stat here is they didn't hit the target. They didn't have a single shot on target at home in the first half against little old Lincoln City. Um, and I thought we were outstanding in the first half because th- we, we were going in there expecting it to maybe be a similar sort of game to Ipswich, to yeah. Barnsley, thinking if we can just pull off another one of those, we know we can do it. You know, One of those is a fluke, but we, we've actually become very good at that start of game. We know we can play that, so it's not a fluke, it's part of our system. Uh, there was a little bit of hope in the back of my mind thinking, you know what, we're, we're better now than we were then. That was a bit of a necessity. And we had all of the attributes and the qualities from those games against those big clubs, those bigger way wins. But we had that—that that more of a front foot mentality, that better decisions on the ball. We were we we were, we were a real threat, big pitch as real well, real threat. Which obviously helps with our system, doesn't it? And our, and our style. And yeah, it was. I'm sure we'll get onto the goal. Really good again by Erehun to stop the counter attack. actually was it? The corner was maybe a little bit wasted. Yeah. Um, I don't mind us taking a short corner, but actually it was, it was quite poorly taken. Um, intercepted and Derby then sprung a real quick counter-attack and Ethan read the game so well, just intercepted. Popped it back off to Lewis Monsmer little shift, got a shot away. Um, we all know that Shadipo was in a different postcode now, but at the time we didn't know that. Um, and I went absolutely mental when that goal went in. It was like a, just a shot of dopamine to my soul. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was unexpected, I it suppose. Unexpected. We, we weren't expected to, to get anything out of the, out of the game. Um, I, I felt that we could. Um, I didn't think we necessarily would go and win. But when you got 1-0 up and we were playing as well as we were, I thought, bloody hell, we've got a right chance of getting another three points here.
1: Yeah. I I, um, I take the point about Shadipo being offside. Uh, even Pete, I was chatting to Pete earlier this week, um, and even he, he's not clear on the offside rule. So he's not interfering with play when the shot's taken. So he's not offside. So the linesman doesn't put a flag up because he's not offside. Now, when the keeper then makes the save, Shadipo is onside at that point. So, if the linesman hasn't put his flag up for his being offside, and he wasn't offside because he wasn't interfering with play, and the keeper's made the save, and he's now onside, technically, is he onside? Now, I don't, I don't think he should be. He's interfering with play at, at an earlier. It's strange, phase. isn't it? Because, like.
0: The rules don't really well, as far as I'm aware, it's difficult to know, isn't it? Yeah, it because is difficult, because the rules maybe don't necessarily go with common sense because common sense is he's, he's miles offside. Yeah. So we've got go away with one, but maybe the rules stipulate some. There's been some tweak of them because they always tweak the offside rule mainly to cope with VAR, don't they?
1: But, Do you know um, who scores that type of goal or scored that type of goal? In my opinion, that we haven't that we've lacked for the first half of this season, Anthony Scully. Hmm. Scully was the person that would chase the ball into the area and try and follow a shot and we haven't had that this season a lot of the time I don't think and that's probably sometimes not to the players detriment that we've been playing they're not particularly that type of player but again that kind of plays into what you were saying about Shadipo not being what we think he is not being the drop a shoulder winger get past etc 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 but being not not, not centre forward but a little bit more opportunistic I think yeah
0: absolutely it's an interesting one like I said at the time at the time we didn't care that it was offside we didn't even know that I don't it looked care now. offside no well no of course <laughs> um care. but if we were looking at the um again first half xg ours was 0.99 so we were good for that we were good for a 1-0 lead at half time whether that was offside or not we were good for a half a half time lead um you know we were the we were the better team um we didn't have as much of the ball they had 69% possession they played tw- almost almost twice as many passes as we did but they were they were passes in, in the areas of the pitch that we we allowed them to have. Yes. There's something I say to my lads on, on a Sunday morning all the time, which is, you can be in control of the game, even when you haven't got the ball. It's if you're just running around working because what you often find is that players want... certainly like amateur players will if they want to impress or want to do you know want to be noticed they'll run around and, and look like they're working hard. But there's no there's no real kind of cohesion there. It's just I want to show that I'm yeah. I give a shit basically, which is great to see. Um, but it's really easy to play around if it's just one person's doing it on their own or, or, or one person goes, someone else sits and it's all over the place you can dictate by the runs that you make when, you, when they've got the ball, the positions you take up when they've got the ball, where they can have the ball and then when it goes into certain areas of the pitch or certain a certain player you then spring into action, that, that, that's trained and you can dictate where the opposition have the ball, which then dictates what part of the pitch they're going to play in um, Which and we did that just to a T. absolutely, I was I was so proud of being a Lincoln City fan on at half time. Well, after the game as well, yeah. but um, before we get onto the second half, at half time, you know, I was I was just full of hope and it was it was just well worth the trip.
1: One point I'll pick up before we talk about the second half as well is um, team selection. Hmm. Now the same eleven that was fine. We spoke on the way there, and and you said unchanged. I said, "Oh, you know, will he rest Ted for you know Max Sanders?" Or you know, there were several changes that we could have made. It could have been a, a case of trying to give somebody a rest. I think the big one we called probably was Adam Jackson for IOMA Was kind of we could do that if Jacko can't get through. He looks fit at the moment, and I thought he was probably our best centre half. Man Mountain. I think he gets overlooked a little bit. I think he gets a bit yeah, underappreciated.
0: We all know how how influential Regan Paul is. Lewis Munster's was back in the team, and he's he's obviously a very different style of, of defender to Jackson. Um, Paulio O'Connor's a new player, so he's one that you kind of notice
1: a little bit more. And Jacko's just been there, just getting on with his job. Do you think getting in the way of everything? Do you think it's a bit to do with the fact that he had he's got a when I say checkered history with Lincoln, I don't mean in terms of performance. I mean in terms of fitness. That people now see Adam Jackson as you know, they were linking him with moves to Grimsby in the transfer window and things like that. They see him as old news at centre-half whereas actually he's proving he's at League One quality and there's you know there's no two-year deal at Grimsby in this summer surely a League One team takes him on if we don't keep him up mm,
0: I couldn't agree more yeah I couldn't agree more he's but that's credit to I suppose credit to the um, Sports Science I couldn't remember what it was called then Sports Science yeah. physio team um, Ross Burberry for instance yeah. <laughs> yeah that guy that guy that's that left guy. him Derby yeah
1: <laughs> um, the, 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 the team selection bit I was thinking about actually was Charles Vernham on the bench mm. over Danny Mandrew, who Mark Kennedy said wasn't injured. So that was the selection he's made. Now, I understand him going with Sanders and Sorensen on the bench yeah. because if you want to go more defensive, it's better to have the two midfielders. He talked about how Sorensen will run around and will scrap and will fight, and Max is a slightly different midfielder, which is why sometimes he chooses Max and sometimes Lass. But for me, Danny Mandrew and Charles Vernham are almost interchangeable, and yet he's chosen Charles Vernham. I mean, is that with an expectation that we might get not the red card, but we might get deeper and deeper and deeper? And he thinks, well, later on in the game, Burnham's got more pace. I don't. Know. I think, I, yeah,
0: I think that's it. Um, because we've played a, we played a kind of a mid-block with a with a high press in certain situations. Like we were really aggressive in the press, and it, Benhouse is just outstanding at starting it off. And that's hard work when you're a front three playing against a back four, and you're pressing as aggressive as they are. I. I I just assume it was because he's of a similar profile to the two that are on the pitch, and when one of them is absolutely blowing, you can bring those fresh legs on to do exactly the same job. I would like to have Danny Mandrew in the squad for every single match um, because I think he's a, a really intelligent player, um, but I don't think he's the same type of player as in terms of the intensity to his running as, as maybe the other three runners we have in yeah. the squad. So I kind of understood it. Um, you know, if it was if it was me, I'd, I'd, I'd find a place on the on the bench room as well as Charles Vernon. Um, don't know who I'd leave off. Probably the keeper. To Some be honest, keeper, and, yeah, take, and take yeah. take that risk. But now from
1: a keep from a goalkeepers union, that's a pretty big thing to say. Yeah, I know. I you know, I know even yeah. Giving the keeper the hope, are you that if he gets injured, he might get ten minutes? And we brought Jordan Wright on once or twice last season, if I remember for injuries as well. <laughs> yeah, so... yeah. It's a risk. It's a risk we're need to take. In my Chris is now making notes. I tell on his tell you what is the worst <laughs> thing though, because I did it. I did it
0: myself. Is when you're a goalkeeper and you're the second choice goalkeeper and you're just. Not necessarily a pro club, but like a semi professional club or an amateur, and you're just sat there, you think, Oh god, if I was a right back, I could come on at centre half or I can come on at holding midfield or right wing for ten minutes and get a run around. Yeah, the only chance you ever get a game
1: is if someone gets injured. And you're taking that chance away from Jordan Wright just to have Danny Mandry on the bench. Yes I am. As the manager. You're now not a goalkeeper anymore, you're a manager. I don't want to hear the goalkeepers' union stuff. (laughs) Um, yeah, we talk about um, talking about second half now. Um, I thought we came out in the second half I thought that we did exactly the same and I expected more from Derby they made two changes I thought it made him look more disjo- a little disjointed um, I didn't feel any danger whatsoever there was no danger whatsoever when the ball came to David McGoldrick in the middle of the park he's turning away he's running away from goal he's running back towards his own bench I've watched the incident back um, for the red card it's it's a yellow card it's a yellow card yes. and it's over watched, exuberance I've watched the first one back and it's a yellow card, and we said it's not a yellow card, but it is. It's an unfortunate one. They're both very, very similar in that he's stretched for a challenge on both of them, and the ball's been nicked away, and he's caught the player. And Mm. I think Ben House even admitted to Mark Kennedy they were both yellows. I'm not going to say... I saw some things along the lines of brainless and stuff like that. You're not going to get me saying that about Ben House. Not at all. And I was really disappointed with the um, ratings on the site, on the Stacey West site, that he got 6.8 as our, our our worst player. And I thought up until he was sent off, he was excellent. Yeah. I think to punish him for trying to put a tackle in, trying to win the ball, you know, if it, it would be brainless if he had spat at someone or if he had kicked out or pulled a shirt or pushed someone. He's made a genuine attempt to get the ball. It's just that McGoldrick was one sp- a split second ahead moving it away. Um, but it changed the game. I mean, they celebrated it like it was a goal. Obviously we were quite close to the Derby fans and the cheer went up and, at that moment, they were certain they were going to go on and win the game. Yeah. What I think is interesting is against Bristol Rovers, they had the man sent off, and it affected our play. And against Derby, they we have the man sent off, and it affects our play. So basically, we've got to keep at eleven versus eleven against Portsmouth <laughs> because we we can't take advantage. Um, well, yeah, what was your take on the red card?
0: Yeah, I so say I I hadn't seen the first one back, and like I have to admit, our the view we had obviously wasn't the best from looking at the far end of the pitch. And um, initial feeling was the first yellow wasn't one. Obviously, in hindsight, you can say it definitely is. In which case, fair enough. I agree with you. It's not brainless. Like you take that. It's not aggression. It's not aggression like a shit house, Ben House. He just works really hard and puts himself into positions. He 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 he, 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 he presses so aggressively in terms of his just his, his pace and his um, yeah aggression is in his running. Then if he doesn't quite get that little nick. <laughs> you go you go flying I suppose, don't you? And um if we've been super super critical, if you know you're on a yellow, you maybe you don't go in for that second challenge. You just go, oh, I'll just have to pull out of this one. Um but I think Benhouse is in enormous amount of credit with us and we're gonna miss him for a single game. Yeah. Um gives Luke Plange an opportunity to start up top, which I'm sure the reason he came to the club is because he wanted opportunities to play. Um so we'll see what that's all about and we'll see 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 how he how he gets on but yeah in hindsight like you say probably was was justified but it's a shame and it's just it's, a, it's an unfortunate two unfortunate incidents that you know that's football isn't it that happens in, in in the moment in those kind of play intensity atmospheres
1: have we ever known a run like this since since um Bolton or Ipswich whichever one came first in eight games that we've played there have been five red cards.
0: That's nuts, isn't it?
1: Three for us. Uh, what was it Adam Jackson, Joe Walsh, Ben House, and then the lad at Accrington was sent off from Bristol Rovers as well. Oh my goodness,
0: yeah, yeah that's nuts. That's, yeah, I've never never known anything like it. And none of them have been, apart from the Bolton bolt game, really. None of them have been particularly aggressive games with you know tackles flying in here,
1: there, and everywhere. No, it's crazy. So then after the red card, it really changed the complexion of the game. We knew it was going to. There was this big break after the red card. We and we we played it. We did it. We. Yeah, we, from that moment we stopped the free kick being taken. It must have been four or five minutes. I almost. was so
0: impressed with that. Yeah, it from was. A, from a, like a game management point of view, like, yeah, are and sevens. you you're like, what the hell do we do now? Carl Russell goes down, obviously everyone knows the rules. Keeper gets injured. Hey, up! Oh, someone's been thrown at us. <laughs> um, you know, keeper gets injured, then they can't go off for treatment because you have to have a goalkeeper on the pitch, so it's, it's the old farm and trick. Um, but it allowed us to, to regroup. It, then, you know, in that little break, Mark Kennedy made some changes. Um, we were able to kind of cement what we we're going to be doing for the next, what, what turned out to be forty-five minutes. I was just, I thought, and, and as much as the Derby supporters we were incredibly frustrated with our game management, it was a pleasure to watch.
1: Yeah,
0: I loved it, be- and that's not just been bitter and, and being, you know, you know, being a being a dick. No, it's because last season we didn't, we didn't have that in us. No, we we didn't, didn't have that desire to not get beat. We didn't have that, you know. We just refused to lose mentality. We didn't know. We didn't really know how to see out you know, that word. Naive is banded around quite a lot in football circles, but I think we probably were a little bit last season. And it it's, was just a pleasure to see that we we played every trick in the book to try and break the game up, yeah. play it on our terms, and yeah, we we, we 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 hung on.
1: It's horrible. It is horrible when you're the other team, but the fact is they had 45 minutes and they had plenty of opportunities to put the ball in the net. Um, Carl Washworth wasn't booked for time wasting so he can't have been that bad obviously the Derby fans were counting him down 10-9-8 they, they were, were very fast they were seconds fast seconds I know <laughs> I, I, I don't want them counting my seconds when I'm doing my 10k because it'll be about 5 hours by the time they get counted through So, um, no, I can understand their frustration because we've had it and when we played Accrington earlier in the year and drew one all um, and funnily enough Ross Joyce was the referee actually who we've got this Saturday coming up which is how this is fresh in my mind but there was two minutes of added time and Accrington were doing exactly what we did on, on Tuesday night all the way through so the referee actually handled it well he added nine minutes on um, but before that they got their goal I was pretty fearful I'll be honest because I think Ben House was sent off on 54 so by the time play resumed let's say 59-ish so it was only 10 minutes after play resumed that they got their goal, yeah. which was offside. Um, you know, it's. I think there was opportunities to clear it, but we didn't take them. Um, it was offside, it stood, and then you've got 20, well, it was actually 29 minutes, because I think they scored on 69, 70 minutes. It was something like that, but obviously with the near enough 10 minutes, did that on exactly, it, yeah. it was so a lot longer half than that. An hour. Um, so they got the goal. We expected they were going to get their goal. They thought they were going to go on and win it. I felt then we were excellent after the goal I think I do think we were a little bit shaken after the red card up until they scored I thought we we didn't look like we were going to concede but you could see how we were going to concede yeah and we couldn't get out and we couldn't understandably
0: get out. so we couldn't get yeah. out Um and then after they scored, we actually had a couple of moments. It was basically just give the board to Jack Diamond and did let him run, run with it. Yeah, yeah. But he did it brilliantly. Well, he could
1: have scored. Yeah, exactly.
0: But, he, but even, and there's a couple of other times where he just kind of went, just got up the pitch. Yeah, he just, just got at the pitch and gave <laughs> ran us. Ran into the corner. Yeah, but that's fine, isn't it? <laughs> gave, he gave, us, gave everyone else behind him just that, that little yeah. breather. Um, I thought and that was one of Jack Diamond's best games in the City
1: 100 Yeah, 100%. And, and actually, I think after the goal, up until the board went up, probably maybe a couple of minutes before the board went up, it was a non-entity of a game. They didn't really threaten us, and if you look through their chances, they didn't really create anything from 70 to about 84, 85, and then it was the last 15 minutes, it was like the Alamo. It it was just, I mean, I likened it in my my, uh, article to the police with the big red key smashing the front door, and it was just a case of when the front door kind of gave in. But the door didn't give in. But it didn't give in. Um, Louis Sibley hits the bar. That was a great strike. Great effort. Great strike. It, like, you can't. You
0: strike. can't get any closer without scoring. <laughs>
1: well, he's of The bar. He was. So yeah. Like, and I just remember it hitting it. And when I play FIFA online, and um, uh, the sound comes through my controller on the PlayStation Five, if it does with you. Yeah. So even if I've got the telly muted, like fees on the phone, if I hit the bar, I get this chuk, and you think, oh god, and it, it just made that kind of FIFA noise, and it's yeah. like, shit, that was lucky. Um, McGoldrick's goal went in miles offside mm-hmm. and and Derby fans were up in arms kind of oh yeah spot that one but not Lincoln's mm-hmm. you know, but all the, the goals were offside all, all, three, all three of them, three of them, yeah. them were offside yeah. um, but it was just it was yin and yang and, and that's we, we saw both of the, the, the two sides of Lincoln City the reason that going into Christmas I was so utterly convinced that we were going to finish 10th because going into Christmas we'd shown that we could go off and we could do um, we could we shut up shop. we could fight, we could battle, we hadn't quite shown that we were able to attack, and we hadn't quite shown we were able to create chances, but Bristol City came along, we scored three, you think, well look, we can do it, mm-hmm. we've got to do it in the league, Christmas came, a nightmare at Christmas, the day, of Boxing Day, kind of knocked us, the squad not quite good enough, that game, that 90 minutes against Derby, absolutely convinced me, it put... All of the ghosts of Cambridge nil nil to bed without a doubt. We're not going to win every game till the end of the season, but I am absolutely utterly convinced that Lincoln City will finish somewhere between 12th and 14th. Yeah, and that's that's kind of saying 13th, but I mean 12th and 14th. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, like that upper upper mid table top half of the bottom half. That's yeah, where we're going yeah, to be. Yeah,
0: that's exactly it, and that's exactly where we hoped to be, isn't it? I couldn't agree more with that. I don't know what else to add, really. Just yes. Yes. <laughs> yes I, yes. I, I agree
1: what, um, so, so man, let's pick a man of the match We should do this every week really mm, We should do Sean Rowan Good call Absolutely I thought,
0: outstanding You've got to remember Not only did he his, his individual performance It's who he was up against He was up against N- Mendes Lang Like you said, mentioned earlier Most successful dribbles Out of any player in League 1 Built like a wrestler <laughs> like a, Jesus Christ
1: yeah. I think he could literally Bench press a pool table Yeah, like
0: But Sean <laughs> Rowan is he's He's just mature beyond his years isn't he and how he plays the game what a what a, what a what's the
1: word I'm looking for here Monster yeah that'll do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Monster no, will be fine he, he is a huge huge talent um, and he has grown unbelievably mm-hmm over the last six months
0: Asset um, is the word I was thinking yeah, of by the
1: way is, Asset that's a great one I <laughs> threw you there because I was holding up a little note to say that we've already done 42 minutes and we've still got two sections to discuss so that was my <laughs> fault why, why I threw Chris I think he thought I might have been holding up a picture drawing like like a drawing or something on there um, yeah Sean Rowan good shout out for Man of the Match I think i probably have to give it to Adam Jackson and, and it's harsh to pick one of the centre-halves. Yeah, I agree with um, that. But I'm kind of going with Adam Jackson because everybody else will go, Louis Monsmer's coming back has been massive. And, mm-hmm. and it has. And by the way, just to touch on that, Louis Monsma coming back um, in a three has been massive. Because let's not forget, Louis Monsma, when he came back in a two under Michael Appleton, it was... I don't think he looked half as impact, impactful as he does I now. I feel
0: like he's... How he plays is perfectly suited to a back three because he just has he has that license then to be a little bit more expansive. Obviously, we didn't see as much of it against Derby yeah. as, as as we did maybe against Accrington, um, but just just generally speaking, we all know what his skill set is. I think he's is if anything, he's improved as a defender yeah. in the last in the last year, even though he's, he's not been playing. He's but, been polishing those that fifty yard ball. It's coming. Yeah, you know, that's the fifty it.
1: yard crossfield balls coming. That's it.
0: But he has that license to go and do it. You know, it's it's less of a risk for him to then. You know, to him to stride into midfield for him to play those those, those kind of other oh, long diags, but I think his his short passing is underrated as well. The amount of times he kind of opens his body to kind of feign that he's going to pass the ball wide, and he just slots it down the middle between the lines. is 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 really just a smart player, another really good asset. But playing in the three, he just allows him to go and do that with the security behind him, doesn't it?
1: It does indeed. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Well, that was your ad break. uh, I've timed that just well. So Chris Chris is looking at me going, why have we stopped? Um, So that was the ad break. It's going to be a little bit further on than it should be. uh, But there we go. So next bit of um, news that we're going to discuss is the investment. I'm conscious that we're already at 45 minutes. Um, So sports professionals Pablo Webster, Evan Mitts and Brian Anderson have made a significant investment into the club. Um, You've probably read all about it. Uh, So they are investing through their WMA Sports Ventures Group. uh, Reports on Lincoln City Vitals, which I've read, suggest that the investment could be... Um, in the £400,000 mark, not entirely sure whether that's accurate or not but that, that's what looks the share issue looks like and the official website currently lists Pablo Webster as a board member so he is a former professional football player um, when I say football I don't mean the egg shaped variety, I mean the proper variety um, so they get one place on the board because they are investing as WMA Sports Ventures Group um, and it, like, it's it, we got, I'm, I'm obviously going to say it's a really good thing for the club and you know, people are saying, "Well, oh, it's it's part of a takeover," or we don't know who these people are. And somebody had commented online, "My spider senses senses are tingling." It's not like an investment where someone's coming in and buying a controlling stake and then they're making great big promises. It's additional money coming into the board and their work coming into the existing structure. And I think, think about it at your place of work or your department, you know, if somebody comes in kind of the same level as everybody else and, and they're good at their job, they add to the overall aesthetic. If somebody comes in as the boss, the controlling and starts trying to change things, that's where problems start to come. Um, so it's very, very much not that. you know, I'm not gonna start saying that this is money that's gonna be available for transfers, I'm not gonna start saying that it's, you know, it's gonna change the world. But it's really, really positive. One thing that I think Clive's been really focused on, and Clive and the board is, we need additional people coming in with money, with knowledge, with commercial connections in order to keep driving the football club forward. Um, so it's a good, it's good news.
0: It could not yeah, you it can't add too much to that. Really, it's fantastic news for the club. Um, it was mentioned to us in the supporters' board meeting um, this weekend. Um, and you know it was a lot of those concerns that people have kind of put online were kind of answered which is so i think it's only right that i kind of in the privileged position to kind of hear the answers firsthand i can kind of share a little bit so you know the first question is you know is this with one eye on maybe um you know securing the long term of the club in terms of if clive then decides to to step down do we have someone else to step in ultimately the more people that you have that that are competent the better but this is categorically not that. Um, Clive is in it for the long, the long haul, and, and his his role is just to try and get more people, more and more people invested. Um, so anyone that was concerned about about is it going to be a, is this a, the start of a takeover? It's just quite simply not. The people were saying they're linked with the Jabara family. Uh, America is a big place. They are not. Um, it's a completely separate <laughs> event. So that's, that's, that's just Liam Scully made that point. I was like, hey, it's good. It's a good point. That is quite big. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So so it was a completely separate separate um, venture. The club have been working for months on it, and they are adamant that they only ever want to bring people on board who have share the same vision and ethos for the football club. They said they there are there's, there's dozens of people potential investors that get turned away by the club um, because they don't fit with with what we you know with with what we what we stand for. Um, even if the, the the investment could be significant. The, the feel of it just isn't right. So, for someone to get to the point where they have actually invested, um, it means that the it works both ways. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's really positive news. Um, doesn't mean we're going to go and sign the next you know next best striker in the world. We the club lose two and a half million quid a year. That means we have to spend two and a half million pounds. Two million m- dollars. Well, it's, it's projected to be more next year with oh, the, it? with I the think, with wow. the with obviously other yeah. costs keep rising. So, around two and a half million quid. Um, above what we earn for us to stand still let's not forget that so it's not us now going to go and walk the league or anything like that invest loads of money but it makes it easier to plug that gap it might mean that there's a little bit left over for for us to invest in a bit of infrastructure maybe a player who knows but ultimately it just means that the club is going to be more secure it's got more expertise on hand and it's it's incredibly positive news
1: yeah I agree and I think um, think things just everyone should just take a, a brief moment just to stop Uh, and and look at Scunthorpe United and Peter Swan and where they are and what happens Um, boardroom news is important and sometimes as a football fan you let it pass over I I used to do it somebody would invest in the club and you would go yeah okay well whatever does it mean we're going to sign players no not interested Um, but you should be interested you know football today more than ever before I think is uh, the successful clubs are the ones that are well-run. The successful clubs are the ones that do have the right structure in place. And if you're in any doubt whatsoever about that, think about Brentford um, and, and think about how they're set up from top to bottom. Think about their continu- continue continuity, easy for me to say, uh, model you know, from right the way through the club. And, and that's what we look to aspire to. And I remember us playing Brentford 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, in the league I think we drew 2-2 and I think Anthony Elding scored but anyway um you know, and, and if we want to be there, we not. We don't want to do it the Bournemouth way with a Russian billionaire. Well, it'd be nice, but with a Russian billionaire coming in and putting money in and potentially pulling out, we don't want to do it the Wigan oh, way. I don't or whatever. think it would be nice. I would rather us never have that than
0: have than, than than get someone coming and I then
1: take it just <laughs> once. Just, just, just <laughs> once. I'm not saying. Yeah, I'd rather have what we've got now, and I'd rather. You know, I actually. This is going to sound really. People will pick me up on this. I'd actually. I don't want to play in the Premier League. I don't because I don't want. You know, five forty-five kickoff one week, and you know six fifteen or whatever they do. <laughs> I, I'm not interested in that. I, I like my three o'clock Saturday afternoon football. I just like proper football. It's a, a football. We so we train on a Wednesday night at rugby, so um,
0: seven till eight. And apparently, there was a, a big game in the Premier League last night. It was Man City versus Arsenal. Apparently, so um, I was I was we we overrun by two or three minutes at training, and I wanted to have a chat with everybody just to go out about kind of. a, a about this upcoming game on Sunday, and everyone was like itching to leave. I was like, "What's what's going on tonight? Why are you wanting to leave? Like,
1: Football's on. Like, oh, is it a, is it a big game? I had no idea. No. I didn't care. I didn't care like, at you know all what? about I the Premier League. I don't. And we're not just the thing is we're not just saying it to be edgy either. And it does you know some people when when some people go oh you know this is English football and they're at a the ground or something. People put it out there to be edgy, but I I genuinely don't care about the Premier League. Yeah. I pay attention sometimes because. Like my mate Pete is a Man United fan, and mm. I know people. You know, Dave is a Liverpool fan, and it's you, know, you don't have to study the Premier League overly um, scrutinise it, rather to be um, to know more than Dave. You, know, you kind mm. of just have to probably know the home ground for every team. And you, you <laughs> there's, want only, there's a
0: couple of clubs that I find really interesting that I kind of that kind of come up on kind of the nerdy Twitter pages and things, which is Brentford and Brighton, the two, yeah, yeah. two clubs that come up, and I take a real interest in. In the, the on the pitch and the off the pitch stuff for both those teams really. I find it really fascinating but in terms of like what's actually happening who's winning against who and I don't know
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: don't I, don't care. Care. I don't
1: care One team that probably do care about the Premier League because they want to get back there would be Portsmouth because they are obviously one of um, many football teams in this division who have experienced Premier League football before um, this is our first meeting with Portsmouth for a while that doesn't have the extra spice of uh, Danny and Nicky Cowley. They are no longer in charge. John Moussinio is, um, who was you know, a little bit of a left-field appointment. The Oxford mm. United midfielder who, um, who who's kind of stepped straight out of his... I mean, OK, his playing career's been winding down, but he's stepped straight out of that. There will be some familiar faces. Um, Joe Morel, Sean Raggett, still part of the squad. Rico Hackett, Fairchild, who we were heavily linked with. Um, which has subsequently been dampened down by both Portsmouth and the player, as you would expect for a player who was on the cusp of a move that then didn't um, transpire, if that's allegedly what happened, of course. Um, So, to wind up the podcast, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, Portsmouth, Chris?
0: Firstly, I just want to touch on what you mentioned about the Cowleys. I I love Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley for the rest of my life, but I'm really pleased that, uh, that... that we don't have to play against. I'm them. pleased we don't have to play because against it just them. takes that. It just takes that element away from the game. Yeah, it's now just a big game against a big team, uh, and a good home atmosphere. Without that, without that, you know that added added element. I think it was fantastic last season when we the, the reception that he got is des- fully deserved, of course. Um, obviously on the back of a 3 0 I've left. Yeah, I'm back on a Fair enough. And off the back of a 3 0 defeat where we were absolutely battered
1: and we was, in, it was in the middle of our really bad. Ross Joyce Run. was the referee in that game. Same referee there's a game on Saturday. Sorry, carry on. No, that's fun, isn't it? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Ross Joyce twice yeah. mentioned on the podcast no, tonight. Are. He's on commission or something. Yeah, no, he's yeah. a prick. <laughs> I don't know if he is actually. Sorry, if, if you're Mrs. <laughs> Ross Joyce or Ross Joyce's dad or, or you know once, I don't know, had a fumble with Ross yeah. Joyce, he might not be a prick. Um, but he's made bad decisions against Lincoln. Sorry, back to you. But it's quite, quite,
0: Yeah, good. so uh, it'd be nice to play against Portsmouth. Um without that added element, I think. Um, they're an interesting football club because they, we, they're one of that select, not select few, there's quite, quite a few in, 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 in League One who are ex-Premier League, who are big clubs, who their fan bases would argue that they are bigger than this level, and kind of rightly so to an extent. Um, but there's so many of them in this league now, and I, I feel they're an interesting club because they fit that bill, but there are clubs with bigger budgets than they have, but they probably have that expectation to come in the top. Pre-season, they were one of yeah. the, the clubs that were, well, our expectation this season is absolutely a top six finish, 100%. Yeah, yeah. But there's probably 10, 11 clubs that had that, not even hope, but expectation. And when you maybe haven't got those expectations aligned with budgets and aligned with players, then things don't go 100% correctly, do they? Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, I'd never like to see Daniel Cowley not do well. We all wish, I think we all wish him every success, but I can't deny that I'm pleased that we're playing against Portsmouth without him because I actually think it's a winnable game. Yeah, 100%. Um, So their last six games, um, they beat Burton 1-0 at home most recently, lost away at Plymouth, uh, drew to Barnsley, lost to Peterborough, um, and then beat Fleetwood and Exeter. So they are, they're basically a team that should be in the position they're in. They seem to be doing... Exactly what you expect of them. Um, they lose against the teams towards the top of the table. Um, they hold their own against the teams in and then around them. And they beat everyone in the bottom half. Um, on the whole, that seems to be what they what they do. But we know, as we experienced once again on Tuesday, we're good against those teams. We are. Um, they always line up in a back four. I was going say 4-3-3, don't they? 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, but always a back four. Um, which is... Interesting, we've played a lot of back threes. Obviously, Derby played back four on, 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 on Tuesday, but a lot of teams that we've played recently um, play a back, played a back three. Um, I'm assuming that Mark Candy made a point of on the live part, which I thought was really interesting, um, when we when he was quizzed about our change in shape and our change in style a little bit. He said what he realised is that almost every successful team in this league seems to be playing a back three, and almost every team in the bottom ten are playing a back four. Um, that's one of the reasons why he, he says we're going to stick to a back three, I think. Um it's because it gives us that solidity, and obviously other teams in the league feel like that's probably the way to go. But Pompey don't. Pompey play are one of those bigger teams that actually don't play with a back three. Um, they're no more successful. I think that's mm, the point, isn't it? Isn't yeah. they're a bigger team, but they're not the more successful. Exactly. Team. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, like in terms of how do I see it going? I think I think it's one of those where we we just focus a bit more on us than we do with the opposition. I normally try and look, I look at the opposition, and think, well, how can I see the game going? Look at the stats, um, but. The last two or three matches have just—they've just really filled me full of confidence. Really, in terms of you know, we can play the game on our terms. We haven't got to just set ourselves up to counter the opposition. We haven't just got to try and force mistakes. We play the game on our terms, and I think if we if we play to the same levels that we have in the previous three matches, we've got a real chance of getting three
1: points. And well, I think with their front three, um, so Owen Dale, who he was a boy at Crew, Crew, and then to, Blackpool, to wasn't Blackpool, wasn't he? Blackpool. Hackett Fairchild, who you know. Looks like they were prepared to let go and then went back on that. Um, if they're going to kind of tie up our fullbacks, then it could be a tough afternoon for their central striker, which is Colby Bishop at the moment. Joe Piggott comes on there. I've got Dane Scarlett, who I think could be a danger. I think he got the winner against Burton, and it, I think it was last minute. If I'm if I'm correct, I think it was only in the last minute they got the goal goal against Burton. Um, so I'm I'm quite hopeful. And we've had some stinkers against Portsmouth, by the way, at home three mm-hmm. one in the season that we weren't there when John Marquis scored 3-0 last season. I mean, you know, we've, we've, we have struggled against against Portsmouth So It's going to be a, 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 a mad, well, I'd say mad atmosphere. It's going to be the sort of atmosphere that we relish. Um, but I think it's the sort of atmosphere that doesn't come with the same threat on the field. So you look at Sheffield Wednesday, you look at Derby County. They came, they've got lots of good players. You know what you're going to expect. I think aside from those attacking players... Um, who on paper look very good—the Joe Piggotts, the Colby Bishops—you know these are players that should be scoring goals at this level, but aren't for one reason or another. You look at their midfield, okay? Yeah, they've got Joe Morel, but Joe Morel hasn't torn this league up no, particularly. I, I think,
0: like on paper, I'd say that their squad is a very solid upper League One should be squad. Yeah. It's not a title challenging. You know, it's not even like a, a top end of the playoffs challenging squad, just, just purely on paper, taking form and everything out of the window. I think they're a very solid team and they'll be difficult to break down, they'll be difficult to play against. But John Mussini haven't, hasn't had that new manager bounce, really. No, um, you know, they, they basically kind of just carried on on a very similar kind of um, kind of form as they had previously, which was more than anything, just inconsistency. Yeah. Um, in to, well, inconsistency in terms of results, but yeah, consistency I, in terms of
1: who they're being Yeah, 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 as, exactly.
0: Um, I think it's a bit of an anomaly in that. Though, obviously, we don't know all the other clubs down in our area as much as in depth as we know ourselves. Of course, we don't, but we know what we're good at. Um, I think. I think it's a it's a real opportunity if we're able to kind of show the best parts of both sides of our game again. We've got a real chance of getting three points. I'll, I'll take a point again, by the way. Yeah. Um. But I think there's a real chance of three.
1: The key for me, um, is Luke Plange, because I think their back four certainly centrally lacks a bit of pace. We know what Sean Raggett's all about. Sean Raggett ain't the quickest in a foot race. If you're, do you know what I mean? One on one, particularly now, you know, several years on from playing for us, he's a bit older. He's had the injuries. I think that that's somewhere that we can exploit. They're not going to come here and shop, shop and play for a point because they're going to have a big travelling contingent mm. on the road. And they need to pick up wins. They need points to pick up wins. Have, single points don't help them at all. They want to put daylight between them and the chasing pack. I said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we were in this little mini-league and we were clinging on to that mini-league desperately. We, we didn't want to drop into the Cambridge MK Dons region. We've done that now. We've actually climbed to the top of that little mini-league more or less. This is the game that actually bridges that gap, that actually yeah. pulls us together to the Portsmouths and the Peterboroughs. There's a big, big gap between something like not eighth and ninth of several points. We want, If we can kind of stick ourselves um, to that edge ch- chasing pack, it's just going to make a much, much easier kind of march in april i'm going to stress that we are not going to make the playoffs we know we're not going to do that that we can make april a festival of football where we don't have to look below us this is the type of game that now makes that and in terms of it's a six pointer because we're close together and we can we can cling on to them there's nothing at stake other than a little bit of pride but we need a little bit of pride. I mean, Portsmouth. If I remember correctly, earlier in the season we went down there. We drew nil nil, but it was a classic Lincoln nil nil draw, which was the, was the first one.
0: It was the first one where we, we showed that we could just shut up shut. Yeah, up.
1: Where we where we got battered, and it was the first mm. time we didn't. I mean, we didn't really know what we were about when we went down there. No, we well, had so. a couple of results against. I don't know if there were like exit. It was obviously the first game of the season. I don't know if Forest Green was before yeah, or after that. Where Oxford fitted in around yeah, that? Yeah, I can't it, remember it, it exactly. Was the order. It was all kind of around that, that time. Part of the time. Um, I think we're, we're more defined now, and I think of the two teams, they've been on a downward trajectory since then. Because watching them, I thought that they all they needed was to click, and and they were going to be top two or three. I thought they were outstanding, um, and I was still worried about us. not worried about us now. No. But Portsmouth fans, I think. Probably will still be a little bit worried. And the other thing I'd say about Portsmouth is I had a conversation with somebody who has been connected with Portsmouth in the past but is now not connected with Portsmouth. I'm not going to name drop or anything. And the insinuation I got from the conversation was that at that time, and we're talking not long after they'd beaten us 3-0 at our place, that there was a lack of the infrastructure that Lincoln City had at Portsmouth. So whereas the front of house is... We are Portsmouth. We've got loads of fans, which they've got great support. They've got nice ground, but there wasn't the infrastructure, and that was something that Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley, I think, were trying to put in place. And they insinuated when they left that they was, you know, they were halfway kind of through that job, right. still trying to put it in. So I think that it's interesting. It'd be really interesting to see where Portsmouth go. After today, after today, I hope they. Yeah, I don't care to be honest. It'll be interesting, but I don't care after Saturday rather. So, yeah, I think there's every chance that we can win the game. Um, but I'm going to plump for a one-all draw.
0: Yeah, again. Well, you've been all right. You've been okay with your predictions recently. I've got
1: both the scores exactly right, but <laughs> I keep going for Lewis Monsma to score <laughs> first. And do you know what I've done? I have put the bet on this week one-all Lewis Monsma to score. But then I've put the same bet on without Lewis oh, Monsma. Okay. <laughs> so
0: one thing you mentioned at the start of that was Luke Planche this this week which is it's an int- it is an a real interesting one because I think Ben House has really cemented himself as our starting number nine 100%. and rightly so but he's also incredibly unique I think yeah. it's a really I don't I haven't seen another centre forward that plays in the same way he plays in league one presses with the intensity he's basically like a defensive forward when we haven't got the ball when we've got it we know he's good on the ball we know he's going to run in behind we know he's, he's 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 actually quite a clinical finisher as well when he gets the chances, as we discussed a few weeks ago. But I think his biggest attribute is is his work rate and his tactical intelligence off the ball. Um, Luke Plange is we haven't seen a lot of him. Let's be honest, and he hasn't really had the opportunity to showcase himself yet. Um, Certainly on Tuesday, he had quite a few minutes, but he he played well. He didn't he played up front either on his own against the whole the whole of Derby's back four, or he ended up playing like in a in a midfield block. So you can't judge him on that. But what we've seen so far is he's a centre forward. You know, he's a he's a talented young lad. You know, we, we, he was our number one target, and we and we've landed him, and he's committed to play to play games. it would just be interesting to see how does he fit into what has turned into quite a defined style now going forward. Um, does he fit into that? You know, and how, and how how does that work? And that could define it a little bit. Actually, it could that could be the you know whether we are able to to play in the same style and press as intensely and, and force the errors that you know that, that we're good at forcing errors um, as much as the, maybe we do with house.
1: The Lincoln City that started the game against Derby plays the same against Derby, wins on Saturday. Yes. Now that's why I've called, said Luke Plange, he's gonna be the only real change and so mm-hmm. it's how it is how he fits in or how we adapt to that. The big question would then be Luke Plange scores twice, we win two nil mm-hmm. when Ben House is back what a, I won't make that decision, yeah. Well, that's why he gets like paid that. the big bucks, I suppose. <laughs> 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 but, but and it's like I said, and it goes back to Derby. And we're going to wrap up in a second. The team selections now, very, very quickly, have become about who's playing, not who's not playing. Yeah. does that make sense? So, yeah, we, we would talk about who might play here, who might play there, what are the options. Whereas teams have been coming out and we've been looking at them and going, Oh, well, he's missing, he's missing. And we did that on Tuesday. It's like, Oh, no, Mandrew must be injured. And then, no, actually, he's not injured. It's a selection thing, it's Max Sanders, it's a selection thing. I don't think Joe Walsh is injured at the minute I'm not entirely sure I think it's a selection thing so no I, you look it's positive it, it's a positive it, situation we're in it and is it's amazing how much of a difference two or three weeks makes it's isn't crazy it? isn't it I mean I didn't do the, the, the podcast after Cambridge so I did the one after MK Dons and it it, it felt quite flat and negative negative. Mm-hmm. and maybe that's because as laymen which is all we are we're just you know, blokes who talk about football you see we watch the game I like to think we understand it a little bit but it was hard to see where we were going, and you know, the club knew who they were trying to sign. So, Mark was coming out and saying, You know, we're on the right track, knowing that they were in with a Chance, with Luke Plans, with Ethan Arahan, with Lewis Monsma coming back in. He knew what was going to happen, but he can't go out and say that. It must be really frustrating. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: I kind of feel bad now. Because uh, well, I was really negative after the Cambridge game, as a lot of people well, were. But right, because he didn't but, listen
1: to the podcast. He, just read, the he just read yours. You know, <laughs> he just he read, the read, the read yours. He didn't read my article. He didn't um, read my article. I'm but but sure again, it's it's, it's,
0: we only have the information that we have, don't we? And, and, and the, the opinions are formed off the information that you have. But yeah. when new information comes to light, it often gives you that hindsight and that perspective, doesn't it, does. it? But it's also amazing that what's really, really positive is not just the fact that we've won and played well. It's the fact that it's all of the concerns that we had have been answered. You know, because let's be honest, there was concerns on the pitch and off it. You know, there was some real question marks been asked of the recruitment team yep. um, mid mid transfer window, which is probably a bit harsh, but there were that there, there were those two there was those two two kind of yeah. elements to the to the kind of the rumblings and the criticism, and all of it's been answered. We have played well, played on the front foot with new new signings doing well, specifically one new signing doing incredibly well, and it's just it's just kind of ticked all the boxes and. I, f- I just feel, I just feel so positive now.
1: Yep. Well, I certainly feel positive because in a few minutes we're going to go in and have bangers and mash, bratwurst sausages, uh, and some sneaky Swedish meatballs, I think, as well. Um, and then we're going to come back out here, put a heater on because it is. Freezing now, my hands are yeah, really cold. cold. Yeah, it's now, got yeah. cold So you sit there, kind of hugging yourself. It was nice and warm. It was daylight when we came in. It's dark out there now. Um, so yeah, lots of positives. Look, let's not get carried away. We win some, we lose some. We might lose on Saturday. Um, everyone would be down again. But I think you know, this is just the last couple of weeks have been a little reset. It's just been a little opportunity to go. Actually, we are on the right track. Rome wasn't built in a day. It wasn't even built in eight months, which is how long Mark Kennedy's had. Um, you know, it could be built over a couple of seasons. We're on the right track. Um, so hopefully enjoy the game. If you see us, come and come and say hello. Do all the liking, subscribing, whatever it is that Ben says when he promotes this that I don't normally do. Um, and imps. Imps. the imps, all the imps. So, 90th minute Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the
1: TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.